Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Margaret Brennan in Washington, and this week on Face the Nation, we'll talk exclusively with one of the two candidates standing between Donald Trump and the Republican nomination, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Plus, Democrats ramp up their efforts to motivate voters on the issue of reproductive rights. With just hours to go before the polls open in the first in the nation primary, former President Trump actually isn't exaggerating. This is a big deal. The whole world is watching now in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley agrees with him. The world is watching. But she says people are looking for a new generation and a different tone. I mean, I think they both are okay. Look at our country right now. We want people at the top of their game. We, these are people making decisions on our national security. But that's only one side of campaign 2024. We traveled to another early primary state, Michigan, where we sat down with the governor and co-chair of the Biden campaign, Gretchen Whitmer. Her message is loud and clear. Abortion's on the ballot in all 50 states. The challenge for Democrats? Using that message to build enthusiasm about President Biden. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders will also join us to talk about the issues Republicans hope will motivate their voters. It's all just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. The New Hampshire primary is just two days away. Can anyone stop the Trump steamroll towards the Republican nomination? We go now to former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, who is hoping to be the one to stop him. She's on the campaign trail in Derry, New Hampshire. Good morning to you. Good morning. As you know, our CBS polling shows that you are the Republican candidate with the best chance at beating Joe Biden in a head-to-head race. And yet, Donald Trump is the party's front runner. Why do you think, Ambassador, that the Republican establishment isn't doing more to help you? Well, I mean, this is what primaries are all about. This is about the fact that, you know, people get to decide which way they want to go forward. What I have said is you can either pick more of the same or you can go forward with a new generational leader. More of the same is, you know, the fact that you've got 70 percent of Americans don't want to see a Trump-Biden rematch. More of the same is the fact that both of these presidents put us trillions of dollars in debt and our kids are never going to forgive us for it. More of the same is the fact that we're going to have two presidential candidates in their 80s. That's not what our kids want. That's not what we should should want. You know, more of the same is the fact that we can't be a country in disarray and have a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. But 26 Republican senators at this point and all of the House Republican leadership have lined up behind Donald Trump. Why? Are they afraid of him? Not surprised at all. And I'll tell you why. You'll see a lot of the South Carolina legislature line up behind him, too. And it's because I've never really taken care of elected officials. I call out 
elected officials because I think they need to be accountable to the people. I call out Republicans and Democrats when they don't do the right thing. So it's not surprising that that set is going towards Trump because he's going to take care of them. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take care of the taxpayers. I've always done that my entire career, and I'll keep on doing it. Can you win in South Carolina? I've won twice as governor. Uh, Former President Trump on Friday repeatedly and wrongly said that you were in charge of the January 6th security response at the Capitol. And he said your name four times. I want to play this for our viewers. They never report the crowd on January 6th. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, you know, they did you know they destroyed all of the information, all of the evidence, everything deleted and destroyed all of it, all of it because of lots of things like Nikki Haley is in charge of security. It's unclear what he's talking about as being deleted, but you said yesterday hearing this made you question Donald Trump's mental fitness. Is that the first time you questioned his mental fitness? If you look recently, there have been multiple things. I mean, he claimed that Joe Biden was going to get us into World War II. I'm assuming he meant World War III. He said that he ran against President Obama. He never ran against President Obama. He says that I'm the one that kept security from, Jan- from the Capitol on January 6th. I was nowhere near the Capitol on January 6th. But, Margaret, you don't be surprised if you have someone that's 80 in office. Their mental stability is going to continue to decline. That's just human nature. We know that. What I'm saying is, first of all, you're talking about somebody who's only going to be in office four years. Secondly, you're talking about someone who continues to, I mean, look, I don't know if he was confused. I don't know what happened, but it should be enough to send us a warning sign that if you look Joe Biden, he's very different than he was two years ago. Are we really going to go into a situation where we have wars around the world and we're trying to prevent war and we're going to have someone who we can or can't be sure that they're going to get confused. It's a real issue. That's not being disrespectful. It's just a fact. Why do you think Trump's voters care about that? And when you worked in his cabinet, did you ever question his mental fitness? When I worked in his cabinet, I called him out if he was doing something wrong. I mean, I would show up, I'd pick up the phone and say, you can't do this. Instead, you could do X, Y, or Z. You know, so I always told him what I thought was in the best interest of the country when I was in his cabinet. But this is different. I mean, we're seeing he's just not at the same level he was at 2016. I think we're seeing some of that um, decline. But more than that, what I'll say is focus on the fact that no matter what it is, chaos follows him. Rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. Does he cause it? And America's tired. In some cases, he causes it. In some cases, he doesn't. But regardless, he's like a magnet to it. And so what happens is that puts the rest of America in chaos. And people are tired. And they're worried. I want to ask you about an ad that you have released that includes video uh, and testimony from the mother of Otto Warmbier, who was an American student from the University of Virginia who was taken prisoner in North Korea and died, as you know, um, after the Trump administration did bring him home. Pundits say national security does not matter to voters. Why do you think this story is one you need to tell? I think this really does show the contrast. So I worked with Cindy and Fred Warmbier. They're amazing people. And I will tell you as a parent, no parent wants to see their child return to them the way they saw Otto returned. Um, This was a happy, smart kid. He went to North Korea. And I mean, the thugs in North Korea tortured him and returned him back in a state that that is unconscionable. And the difference is, I told Fred and Cindy, speak up, get loud, make sure I will help you. Let's partner. We're going to call North Korea out. I passed the largest set of sanctions against them in a generation by pushing China and Russia to do it. But what did Trump do? Instead, he talked about love letters going back and forth to Kim Jong-un. Cindy would contact me. She was so upset. And he went and said, oh, but Kim said that he wasn't aware of any torture that happened to Otto. All you had to do was look at Otto when he was returned back to his parents. But this goes back to a pattern. I mean, we saw this over and over again. It's not just that. He congratulated China's President Xi a dozen times after China gave us COVID. He congratulated the Chinese Um, Communist Party on their 70th anniversary. We don't congratulate the Communist Chinese Party. I remember at the United Nations, Mm -hmm. I had to sit him down and tell him to stop this bromance with Putin. I mean, you can't have someone who's trying to buddy up with dictators that want to kill us. Instead, you have to let them know what we expect of them. I want to ask you about uh, clarifying your position here, because you've spoken about the complexity of the abortion, abortion issue personally for you. 
Um, and you've said there's no national consensus, so there won't be a federal law. But you've also said if there were one passed, if it were six weeks, it was 15 weeks, or it was restrictions after 20 weeks, which you signed when you were governor, uh, that you'd be okay with that. When we spoke yesterday to Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan, she said that you would sign a national abortion ban. Would you? You know, it's so interesting because this is a you can't say that to the American people because all you're doing is putting fear and judgment in them. Yes, I'm unapologetically pro-life, but I don't judge anyone for being pro-choice. I have said I am fine with a federal law. But the thing is, in order to get a federal law, you have to have a majority of the House, 60 senators and a signature of a president. Margaret, we haven't had 60 Republican senators in over 100 years. So no Republican president can ban abortions any more than a Democrat president can ban any state law. What we can do is let's find consensus. I think we can find consensus to ban late-term abortions. I think we can find consensus to encourage adoptions and good quality adoptions. I think we can find consensus that doctors and nurses who don't believe in abortion shouldn't Mm -hmm. have to perform them. I think we can find consensus that contraception should be accessible. And I think we should find consensus that any woman who has an abortion, no state law should say she's going to jail or getting the death penalty. I will not demonize this issue. It's too personal. We have to start doing that. Democrats use fear and Republicans use judgment. This is too personal of an issue. Do you fear or judgment, and I won't be a part of any of that. Okay, but you're not taking a ban off the table, which allows for Democrats to say that, that you would be on board. Can you You say you will not? 60 senators would never approve a ban on abortion. That's a fact. That's a fact. So why put out something that's implying something's going to happen to the American people that is a lie. That's never going to happen. But the, you know Democrats are using this to motivate to voters. To Democrats are using this to motivate Democrats. voters so that they do get the math to add up one day. So if the math does add up no. one day, would you sign a ban? This is the problem with Democrats. Democrats put fear in the American people. The American people don't need fear. They need confidence. They need mm-hmm. security. They need to know that everything's going to be okay. When it comes to the abortion issue, I will never put fear in the American people. I will tell them the hard truth. The hard truth is 60 senators will never agree to a full ban on abortion. That's a fact. Republicans or Democrats, 60 senators are not going to agree to that. I don't know what 60 senators are going to agree to. Right now, they don't even agree to 15 weeks. So we've got a long way to go. Our goal should be how do we save as many babies as we can and support as many moms as we can. Governor, we have to leave it there. Thank you for your time. Face the Nation will be back in one minute with Michigan Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Stay with us. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We turn now to abortion rights. We sat down yesterday with Michigan's governor, Gretchen Whitmer, and talked about why Democrats want to draw attention to this issue. Abortion's on the ballot in all 50 states. Abortion's on the ballot for every one of us, because if we Theoretically speaking, you're saying. Well, if we elect a, a, a Donald Trump or a Nikki Haley or a Ron DeSantis, they all have pledged to sign a national abortion ban. And so in a state they like... They haven't signed... No, Donald Trump hasn't said what he's going to do. <laughs> he just said six weeks is, is too much for him. He's also the one out there taking credit for the Supreme Court ripping this right away with the Dobbs decision that overruled Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. So it is very clear that abortion is on this ballot for all of us. To pass a federal law, you would need to, to restore 
what was in Roe versus Wade. Democrats would need 60 Senate votes. They'd need to be able to get it through the House and they'd need the presidency. That math isn't there. So that claim that Democrats could secure the right, isn't that giving people false hope? I don't think so, because right now, one in three women in this country live in a state where they have no access to reproductive freedom to make their own decision. If they have a partial miscarriage at home or sepsis or they are at the reproductive health is at risk, they have no ability to get that that service. And so this is why I think if a Donald Trump is president or any of the people on the Republican side right now, unfortunately, is they are going to promote an abortion ban for all of us. Right now, this president has said he is absolutely going to fight for reproductive freedom. Even if he doesn't have a, a Congress that will send that bill to his desk, mm -hmm. him being in the White House keeps a national ban from happening. You're saying if somehow Republicans were to sweep the Senate and sweep the House, Joe Biden would veto that bill. But yes. You, you actually think that that's a, a legitimate promise to make to voters because Joe Biden doesn't talk about abortion much. And in fact, he has said he's not big on it because of his faith. Does he need to talk about it more? I think it would be good if he did. I know that uh, one tenant of his belief system is that women and only women at, with their families and, and healthcare professionals are the ones who know what decision is right for them and that he is fighting and going to continue to fight to make sure that that is squarely the ability of, of an American woman to make that decision. You think he needs to be the messenger on that more? I don't think it would hurt. I think people want to know that this is a president that is fighting, and I think he has said that. Um, to use maybe more, more you know, blunt language, maybe that would be helpful, but he's, that's his position. So here in Michigan, um, it is now protected under law, access to abortion. Viability is decided by a healthcare professional who determines the likelihood of the fetus's survival outside the uterus. Practically speaking, science is gonna improve. Viability is gonna move closer and closer to conception. This is one of those challenges. Is this an issue that just gets litigated again and again and again? I think I have come to the conclusion that a right that was there for my, almost my whole life, I'm 52, um, is now very much in jeopardy and that I'm going to have to continue to fight to protect this right. The Roe standard was a question about viability, did have, um, I think, real, made a lot of sense. And, and I think that's why you see people coming out in states all across America and saying we're demanding this right and that should be the standard. Well, Roe had viability the presumption being that was roughly around 24 weeks. Mm -hmm. That is moving closer and closer to conception. So you're saying, even though you had this win in Michigan, it's not a closed matter. It, it's a continued fight. Absolutely. I, really, I mean, we made great strides here, but no one should feel complacent that this work is done. A national ban would upend everything that we've accomplished here, everything they accomplished in Ohio. When you or, say national ban, what do you mean? I, you look at the Speaker of the House right now has has absolutely vowed that he supports a national ban, sending something to the president's desk that bans, whether it's He's after also six said the weeks. Votes aren't there for it. He at, at this moment, yeah. at this moment, but that can change, and that's why codifying this right, having someone in the White House who would veto it if we see legislation like that pass through the Congress, is going to be really important. Do you actually think there is a national consensus on abortion now? I think that the majority of people expect to have the right to make their own decisions about their body. The most important, profound economic decision a woman and her family will make over the course of their lifetime is whether and when to bear a child. There are a lot of economic issues that go alongside raising children. Do you think the Biden administration needs to campaign more on the issue of expanding access to, to more affordable childcare? We want to make sure that Americans have the ability to raise children when they decide that they want to have a child, that it's easier for them to find child care that is affordable, that is high quality. We want to make sure that when they enroll their children in schools, that they're getting the kinds of supports they need to be successful. So how do you make up for the challenge that we're seeing? And we're seeing it in our polling because 
women think access to reproductive care is getting harder, not easier. And more than half of those polled by CBS say it's becoming more dangerous. How do you make up for those healthcare deserts in parts of the country? Well, it, the worst thing you can do is cut off access to to medical uh, ability to, whether it's ab around abortion or obtain contraception, cut off access to women being able to get health care on, you know, through telehealth, for instance. Are you satisfied with the Biden administration's messaging on these specific matters related to women? You know, I know that this administration is doing the work and they roll up their sleeves and I appreciate that they've been phenomenal partners to us here. I think all Democrats and all people who are are on the right side of this issue need to use their voices, need to be very clear to the American public. There's so much noise out there. There are so many stressors that people mm -hmm. are confronting that it's hard to, to cut through sometimes. And it's no fault of anyone. We've got to be very clear about how high the stakes are and what our priorities are. Because our polling is showing that the president is underperforming with the Democratic base. This is black voters. This is Hispanic voters. Is the issue of abortion access enough of a halo effect to make up for that lack of enthusiasm and the frustration? I'm not dismissing polls. I think that they are an important piece of data that should inform additional outreach. But I'm also not, I'm not getting, you know, I'm not freaking out. What I hear from people is a sense of urgency, mm -hmm. a sense of how serious this moment is in this country. And I, I respect that and know that's why we got to continue to show up and continue to talk about these fundamental issues that Americans and American families need solved. Are you concerned here in Michigan about think, the state staying blue? And I think everyone should always focus on Michigan. It's always going to be close in this state. You cannot make any assumptions about what the next election is going to bring based on the last one in a state like this. You got to show up, you got to do the work and show people that you really care about them. It's still a purple state. Absolutely. And Michigan is still up for play. Absolutely. Oh, I think it always will be. I want to talk a little bit about the economy. Um, our polling by a 49 to 21 margin, um, voters believe former President Trump will be better for their finances than President Biden. So why do you think this perception exists? How do you fix it? We're seeing unemployment at historic lows. We're seeing take-home pay going up. I think that we have seen a lot of progress happen, inflation coming down. These are important factors that take time for people to really see the benefit from. Cost of living is still high. Cost of living is still high. And for a young person to buy a home that is out of reach for more people than it, than it has been in a long time. And so I think that all the work around affordable housing. The story that this president is going to be able to tell as people start to tune in closer as we get closer to the election is going to be powerful. So this state in particular, it's Michigan. It's an auto state. The future of the industry um, and electric vehicles in particular, which President Biden has placed a very big bet on, is very dependent on the outcome of this next election and the federal subsidies to make that transition to electric vehicles. Are you um, disappointed that the auto workers union, the UAW, has not endorsed President Biden yet? You know, I think that they will endorse the president, but I also think it's a good thing that it's not just a foregone conclusion that that happens. You gotta earn the support of people, whether it's voters or a union or a, you know, a business executive, you've gotta earn individual support. And I think that their process will make sense and I'm confident the president will be will be the person that they end up supporting. This could be, as you said, another close election. So I have to ask you, since there are roughly what 300,000 people in this state who identify as Arab American, you have a large Muslim American population. There is a lot of pain and frustration with the president's support of Israel um, and its military campaign. Mm -hmm. How will he be received by this community when he comes to visit this month? Well, no community is monolithic. I'll start with that. I will say that one of the great things about this state is this is where people came to from around the world for a good paying job and a high quality of life. It's true today, but it's why we have such a robust and beautiful Arab community in Michigan and a robust Jewish community in Michigan. These two communities have lived as neighbors in harmony for decades. 
And what's happening in Israel and Gaza has certainly, um, I think, caused pain for everyone. As we spoke to one of your constituents last night who said he went door to door for Joe Biden in 2020, but he's lost his vote in 2024. And he said he plans to protest against him. Mm -hmm. Is President Biden going to face protesters when he comes here because of this one issue? He may. A lot of voters are going to vote for things like individual freedoms, like the basis of our democracy, uh, climate change. So there are a lot of things that are going to come into play as we get closer and closer to the election. But certainly these are legitimate and raw feelings that that people have, and um, they're entitled to their opinions. Welcome back to Face the Nation. We go now to the Republican governor of the state of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Good morning, Governor. Good morning, Margaret. It's great to be with you. It's good to, to talk to you. You are one of the youngest, if not the youngest governor in the state, the first female governor of Arkansas. Um, I want to ask you about a number of things, including the current Arkansas law. We've been talking a lot about reproductive health. The law bans abortions except to save the mother's life in a medical emergency, no exceptions for rape or incest. Your attorney general has twice recently rejected ballot measures that would repeal the ban and give a limited right to abortion up until 18 weeks of conception. As governor, are you open to any ballot initiative? Look, I'm proud of the fact that Arkansas is one of the most pro-life states in the country. I'm unapologetically pro-life. I believe that we are a culture that protects life, that values life. I think that's who we are as a country, and I'll continue to support those measures. But I, I know those are your personal convictions, but would you seek the opinion of, of your constituents on this? I mean, some of the attorney general's objections one of the things he objected to was replacing the word conception with fertilization. And another one, it was narrowing uh, a medical emergency to threat to physical health and defining it just as that. I mean, they, they seem to be tweaks. On the premise, though, would you be open to seeking the opinion of your constituents in a ballot initiative? Arkansas is overwhelmingly pro-life state. I'm proud of that fact. I'm proud of uh, where we are and will continue uh, to push for things that I think protect all innocent human life. It's why we haven't just focused on pro-life legislation, but we've also done things in the foster and adoption care space. It's why I've spent so much time focusing on education, empowering every single Arkansan to have a great quality of life. We are looking at every aspect and making sure that we're doing what we can to protect and value life at every stage here in the state of Arkansas. So it sounds like a no, you, you wouldn't want to put it on a ballot. I'm not going to put a, a blanket on uh, anything that could come forward, but as it stands right now, I haven't seen anything that I would be supportive of. So your state, um, you're talking about the sanctity of life. Um, your state had one of the highest maternal mortality rates in the country, according to the CDC, up until about 2021. Arkansas is one of the few states that hasn't extended postpartum care for mothers. Um, why don't you want those moms to get care for a full 12 months, as is being offered, instead of just 60 days? Well, I'm going to have to disagree with the premise of your question saying that I don't want that. I certainly want us to do everything that we can to help uh, during pregnancy and well after uh, a child is born, which is why we have done things like focus on uh, the foster and adoption care. We've put significant funding into our pregnancy crisis centers. We're focusing on things that help our mothers, including bring your kids to work at state government. We've expanded maternity leave for state employees. We included that in our education package. We have taken a number of steps that are very positive in this front, and we're going to continue to do that as long as I'm governor. But the states of Mississippi, Wyoming, Montana, South Dakota, they did extend for 12 months rather than the 60 days. So I'm just wondering specifically on that option, why you opted out? We're going to continue to look at options that we feel like best help uh, people here in the state of Arkansas. We've done that in a number of ways, and we're going to continue to do that over the course of hopefully the next seven years while I'm governor of Arkansas. 
So um, I want to ask you as well about what is happening with the kids in your state. Um, I was interested to see that you are not among the 15 Republican governors who rejected a new federal program to give food assistance to 8 million children during the summer months. You opted into that. A number of Republican governors I did, I, say on premise that, that, that this, this violates conservative principles. So why are they wrong and why are you okay with this federal program? Well, I want to focus on why I think it helps our state. Uh, Arkansas in the past has ranked at the bottom when it comes to food insecurity for children. I don't think any child should ever go hungry. If we have options available to us to help improve that, that's exactly what we're going to do. That's why we've opted into this program. We're going to continue to look for ways to help and protect kids in our state. Uh, And I was proud to be part of that program and we'll continue to look for options to help move Arkansas uh, out of the bottom when it comes to food insecurity and into the top. Um, You are, as we said at the get-go there, uh, the youngest governor in the country. And I wonder, when you look at your party right now, what does it say about the party and about our politics that not only is the President of the United States uh, at such an advanced age, but the Republican frontrunner, Donald Trump, 77 years old here. Are these much older individuals really the new generation that you've been calling for? I think this election right now is very simple. It's a very clear contrast. You have two individuals who have a four-year record to run on. One has a record of success coming from a posture and a position of strength in Donald Trump, and one who comes from a position of weakness. Every single thing that voters actually care about, every single thing that drive voters to show up and cast their ballot, Donald Trump is winning on. Whether it's the economy, whether it's securing the border, whether it's national security, whether it's taking a hard line against China, every single one of those major issues that really drive voters, Donald Trump is dominating Joe Biden on. And they both have clear records in which to run from. And I have no doubt that the matchup in November will declare Donald Trump a clear victor because of that that contrast. Well, he's only four years younger than the president whose age you've you've criticized. But your predecessor as governor, Asa Hutchinson, um, just recently ended his presidential bid and he endorsed Nikki Haley. He said anyone who believes Donald Trump will unite this country has been asleep over the last eight years. Trump intentionally tries to divide America. Do you honestly, Sarah, sorry, Governor Sanders, I'm used to calling you Sarah from from the front row at the White House there. Um, Do you honestly believe Trump is going to unite the country this time when in the first term that you were part of, the country was very divided? You know, one of the things that I think is so often left out of Donald Trump's story is the patriotism and the love of country that he brought back. We haven't seen that in this president. In fact, we've seen the total opposite. We see people who believe in America again, who see the strength of our country. We brought back American manufacturing. We secured our border. We had a strong economy. Our enemies abroad actually feared us and our allies actually respected us. Instead of the people now are across the, the other side of the world are laughing at us and taking advantage of the weakness of this president. Donald Trump, uh, you know, you joked a minute ago, you called me Sarah instead of governor. You know, your colleagues called me a lot of other things. I'll take Sarah all day over some of the things that the media and the left called me. But when those things were happening, the person who was defending me, empowering me to do my job was Donald Trump. I know that he can deliver again because he's done it before. No, Governor, I I think we've always had a respectful uh, exchange, you and I. So I don't think we're part of the media group you're talking about. I didn't about. say you. I was yeah. right, but but on the substance of the question, in terms of uniting the country, I mean, some of the policy things you just rattled off, as you know, immigration has been broken for decades, and those border problems were border problems under President Trump. Uh, the Middle East policies he had didn't solve issues. I mean, in fact, we are seeing uh, the conflict in Israel uh, really flare up in a way he didn't broker the peace deal he promised. Uh, He didn't get Russia out of Ukraine. He didn't improve relations with China. So how can you point to that as as a high point without recognizing that even he says the work was not finished? 
Well, that's why we need him to come back for four years, because he didn't get to finish. But he certainly made significant progress. Our border was far more secure under President Trump than under President Biden. I had the chance to go to the border myself. And while I was there, met with those who are standing on the front lines, including members of the Arkansas National Guard that we deployed because the federal government is not doing their job. States are having to step up. And in meeting with those individuals, they told us that more people had come across in just that month, just that month, on the terrorist watch list than in the entire four years of Donald Trump's presidency. Donald Trump was actually taking steps to secure our border, to strengthen our country. It's hard to argue that having a good economy, having safe okay. and secure borders, taking a hard line against China, those are empowering Would you be and his unifying VP things for our country. And only, and hold on, I want to just finish this one point, and only one of two people in the race has actually delivered on each of those things. And it's Donald Trump, not Joe Biden. And you'd be open to vetting to be his vice president, potentially? Look, I absolutely love the job I have. I think it's one of the best jobs okay. I could ever ask for. And I am honored to serve as governor. And I hope I get to do it for the next seven years. Next seven years. All right. That sounds like two terms, maybe a no. <laughs> governor Sanders, thank you. We'll be right back. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We turn now to our panel. Political correspondent Caitlin Huey Burns is up in Manchester, New Hampshire. And chief election and campaign correspondent Robert Costa is here with us in studio. His flight to the Granite State is later today. <laughs> Caitlin, let's start with you. Uh, as we spoke earlier to Nikki Haley, the former governor, finished third in Iowa. She is she was 30 percentage points behind there. She's behind Trump in New Hampshire. What are the voters telling you? Yeah, New Hampshire has always been kind of the hope for losers in Iowa because the electorate here is very different. 40 percent or so are registered as undeclared or independent. So that provides some favorable terrain. But I will say Republican sources that I've been telling, talking to here on the ground still acknowledge that this is going to be an uphill climb for Haley. Yes, she's able to compete with independent voters with this message of trying to turn the page from both Biden and Trump, but it's still a tall order because Trump has such a hold on the Republican uh, base of support here. So she will have to overperform with independent voters. And that also is no sure bet, because if you remember in 2016, Donald Trump won with independent voters. So it's a nuanced group, and she's going to have to get every last one to show up in a Republican primary. Well, in his many criticisms, Donald Trump has said that Nikki Haley's supporters are Democrats. Uh, what's the reality of the crossover vote? Yeah, and to be clear, Democrats cannot vote in the Republican primary here. They will would have had to switch their party registration back in October. That was the deadline. And we did see about 4,000 Democrats, according to the Secretary of State, did switch their party registration to Republican or undeclared. But that's still uh, about a half percentage point of the general electorate here. I will say, talking to uh, supporters of Nikki Haley, I've talked to a lot of them who are undeclared or independent voters. And over Overwhelmingly, they have told me that they believe that they see their vote as a vote against Trump, not necessarily a vote for Haley. So the enthusiasm question, the enthusiasm question, are enough of them going to show up mm -hmm. in a Republican primary? And you'll be bringing us the results. Caitlin, uh, 
thanks for that. Uh, Bob, you're here in studio as we talk about being able to motivate and coalesce around a candidate. As I asked Governor Haley, it looks like the establishment's lining up behind Donald Trump, 26 senators, all of the House Republican leadership. Why? To build off Caitlin's excellent reporting and to go back to that question you asked Ambassador Haley, where is the Republican establishment? The Republican establishment, my sources on Capitol Hill in both the House and the Senate, they say privately and sometimes even publicly, they no longer run the Republican Party. The voters run the Republican Party, and many of those voters are inclined toward former President Donald Trump. So inside the House, you have the speaker behind the former president. And in the Senate, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, for example, he has said repeatedly publicly that he does not want to get involved in the Republican primary race. And so many donors who are sources of mine say they're waiting to see if Haley can come within single digits of Trump in New Hampshire, and maybe they will start to pour millions more into her campaign. But at this point, they're moving toward acceptance of Trump being the nominee. And of course, Leader McConnell had a very troubled relationship with the president, the former president, when he was in office. What about Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida? Can he last? We're talking about this as a a Haley-Trump matchup. Where's DeSantis? Many Republicans are watching how he's changing his schedule seemingly by the hour. He's trying to focus right now in South Carolina, but our reporting shows there is a debate among his allies about whether he has a path ahead and whether he should stay in the race. What will decide that? It's ultimately going to come down to his conversations with his wife, Casey, and his inner circle. And it's also going to come down to money. Is there enough money to fund him going into Super Tuesday? We've been talking to Governor Whitmer about her very key state of Michigan. Um, What are you hearing from your sources about just the level of concern among Democrats about whether they can keep it in 2024? Democrats and Republicans, everybody's watching Michigan. It's so important. You were on the ground. They were talking to Whitmer, who's on the front lines for President Biden. But also Republicans are wondering, can they start to win over suburban voters in Michigan on issues like the economy? Can they win over working voters who may not buy the Biden administration's position on industrial policy? This is the swing state. And there is concern that younger voters in Michigan, especially because of the issue with Palestine, are getting alarmed about their support for Biden. And we heard some of that as well. Bob, thank you. We'll be back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. During our trip to Michigan, we sat down with a group that included Michigan State students and community activists. Four of them identified as Democrats. We talked about a range of topics, including the challenges Mr. Biden faces in a state that supported him in 2020. While I'm not pleased with everything he's done, uh, I still just think he's the better choice. He's the safer choice. He's the more stable choice. Because Um, you think Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee? I do. Tassin, you did change your mind. Yes. On the president. Why? Um, I was a champion for Joe Biden until October 7th. I feel he's disowned us, disenfranchised us with his stance on Gaza. What do you mean by that? He's not listening to us. We are asking for a ceasefire at this time. Uh, it's a human cat- humanitarian catastrophe in Gaza. Too many lives are being lost at this time. I was never a single-issue voter. In fact, I used to argue with people not to be single-issue voters. But for me, this is a deal-breaker. Mm-hmm. Way too many lives have been lost. When you say us, you're Muslim. Is that what yes. you mean? Mm-hmm. You think the Muslim community here feels as you do? Yes, I think a vast majority of Muslims, Arab Americans, uh, even progressives uh, who I identify myself as a progressive, 
And many people that I talk to in my circles do not, are not going to be voting for Joe Biden. Kathy, how do you feel about this issue? Well, I feel like it's really a difficult issue, but I'm glad we have someone like Biden with his wisdom and experience trying to decide how to handle this. Um, I believe that he, I, I like when he says things like Israel has the right to defend itself and um, to do what it needs to do to protect its citizens from Hamas. I think he stresses that Israel's got to be really careful not to commit war crimes. I think he's been really clear on that. Um, I, I just don't know what else he can do. I think people think he has more power over Netanyahu than he does. So abortion is legal and protected in the state of Michigan. Your state uh, voted for that. But do all of you um, have any vision for what should happen at the national level? If you see Donald Trump elected, Sean, mm -hmm. do you think uh, that there will be federal limits on abortion access? Uh, no, I don't believe so, because I think the court has been quite clear, and this was through their opinion in the Dobbs case, um, allowing states to tailor their own methods for regulating abortion, and then in the several concurrences by the justices who wrote that opinion, that it wasn't going to be federally regulated. The only way you can do that is if you change the Constitution. So I could see... Or write a new law. Well, they could write a new law, but unless they unless they add it into the uh, to an amendment, then I could see the court swiftly striking it down, like the court does with many things at, in either presidency for Trump or Biden. And so I'm not exactly worried about that issue. I would like to see instead uh, what I just said, where uh, Congress does make an amendment protecting the life of everyone, including people in the womb. Some of the Republican candidates have different visions on what you just laid out there. Um, you are shaking your head yeah, humanly, I so I, sorry, I have yeah. to, no, you feel strongly, <laughs> please tell me. Yeah. How much of uh, reproductive rights are a factor in your presidential campaign vote? Oh, it's huge. The president chooses our Supreme Court justices. I wish I had confidence that you say in, in our Supreme Court justices. I, I think there's probably, it's one of the most important things that the president does and that um, we have had um, justices put in under uh, President Trump that are, you know, really changing precedent in major ways that I find very disconcerting. And I'm very concerned about reproductive freedom in this country. And you are as well. Same. I mean, I think it was, um, you know, looking bigger picture, just the last few Supreme Court nominees the process was totally upended and totally disregarded. And I think it starts with that. And then freedoms were rolled back, such as such as reproductive freedoms. So I'm fortunate that we have protected them in the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, I think just again, the American people are for some type of abortion protection. Certainly there's a sliding scale, but for the federal government to just disregard that um, and go the other way, I think is appalling. Saba, you said reproductive rights are a huge factor for you, but that you probably won't vote for President Biden. I think it would be hypocritical of me to use reproductive rights as a way to justify voting for Biden when Biden is aiding and sending military aid to Israel, which is airstriking Gaza and blocking humanitarian aids, leading to women there who are pregnant, um, either getting C-sections without anesthesia, not being able to be provided with prenatal care. It, it's interesting that, just to button this up, you are not very excited <laughs> about the Democratic candidate, but I saw the both of you, you are excited. But I saw the both of you jump when we talked about reproductive access. <laughs> that is something that's going to make you show up to vote, even though you're kind of eh yeah. on the candidate. <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, I'm certainly a frustrated Democrat at the moment, I would say. Um, I think Joe Biden's made a lot of missteps. I think he's not, he's not a perfect man. He's not a perfect candidate. But nobody is. Um, and I think he's done the best. But I think it's... It's been alarming to see the things that have gone on, particularly in the Supreme Court, around things like reproductive rights. It's been alarming. And mm -hmm. I just think it's a huge wake-up call to women, to young women. We'll be back in a moment.
That's it for us today. But before we go, Speaker Johnson's office tells us that he has not called for an absolute ban on abortion. But what he has said is that there is no national consensus on the issue. And until there is one, there won't be a bill on the House floor. Until next week. For Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Fred. Today's guests were 2024 GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Shelley Schwartz. Face the Nation originates in CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com and you can follow Face the Nation and CBS Radio News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our CBS News streaming network on Sundays at 1.30, 4, 10 p.m. Eastern, and again at 4 a.m. the next morning. And it's available through our apps, CBS News and Paramount+. Plus. If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.